The Kern Institute Podcast Network. What you're about to hear is the first episode of our Medic Podcast. Medic stands for Medical Education in Countryside Communities. And this recording features an interview with Dean Dr. Lisa Dodson, Dean of MCW's Central Wisconsin campus, conducted by our medic team, Anita Bublik-Anderson and Jeff Amundsen. We hope you enjoy. I'm Dr. Jeff Amundsen. I am a faculty with the Kern Institute as well as a faculty on the Central Wisconsin campus for the Medical College of Wisconsin. And I'm joined by... This is Dr. Anita Bublik-Anderson, and I am also faculty at the MCW Central Wisconsin campus. And we're joined today by the uh, Century Dean of MCW Central Wisconsin, Dr. Lisa Dodson, who hails from Oregon. I do and has joined us here in Wassa and from the beginning of beginnings of the campus and i think that's really an interesting story of like how you arrived here like tell us a little bit about you know where you're from and where you yeah. went to school yeah, yeah. and like, how did you get who interested are you? <laughs> who am i well the first thing i have to say is i am from oregon the state not oregon the city in wisconsin that took me a while <laughs> to get used to when i oh, first wow. moved here right. yes and it's pronounced oregon not oregon <laughs> and that's down by madison it, it is like Monroe? Yeah, down, yeah. okay yeah. sure so that that threw me for a loop when i got here so um i'm a family doctor by training i went to medical school in new york uh, under duress my husband was there going to graduate school so that was the, those were where my options were at the time um i didn't start out wanting to go into medicine i actually thought i would be an ornithologist um when i graduated from college okay, that's didn't, birds that's birds did not find many birds to study in new york city when we were there so uh changed gears due to um Oh, briefly, the, the the AIDS epidemic. I was I oh, wow. started um, I graduated from college in '81. Started working in a pathology lab in New York City, and um, that was we happened to have B and T cell antibodies that were experimental at the time. Whoa, as 1981. AIDS, 1981. So as AIDS is developing, doesn't even have a name yet. Yeah. Um, we had access to a lot of very interesting science that was developing mm -hmm. around immunology at the time. So um, during that period, I sort of switched gears and thought, oh, I'll go get a PhD in immunology because that was a nascent sure. field, just super right. interesting. But what got me was a real feel for the plight of the patients. Yeah. Um, I One of my jobs was to run around and pick up specimens from different hospitals around the city. And you would go into an AIDS ward and they were yeah. literally locked in with dirty laundry piled yeah. up at the door because no, none of the housekeeping staff yeah. would go in, yeah. um, food piled up because people wouldn't deliver trays, yeah. doctors and nurses refusing to go in and provide treatment to these desperately ill people. Wow. I mean, it was just a really terrible humanitarian crisis. Mm. And ultimately, after long discussions with my my boss, who was, was very insightful, said, no, you need to go be a family doctor. <laughs> don't sound like a scientist. You sound like a family doctor. Right. And so through all of that process, I backed into medical school. And um, so finished medical school at uh, in New York and then came out to the West Coast back to Portland to do residency in family medicine at Oregon Health Sciences University. 
um, which was in its own way an all life altering, you know, adventure, but really chose wisely. I mean, I think that that um, probably a career in immunology would have been less satisfying to me than what I've been able to do since. Mm -hmm. So I uh, completed residency. Um, my family background is I grew up mostly in suburbia mm -hmm. and in in Bozeman, Montana, which is not a large city by any right. means. Um, but my grandparents had a ranch, and I spent a lot of my summers out in the middle of nowhere and really loved the, um, at least the concept of, of a uh, rural life, right, right, <laughs> which right. I had had some experience with. So as I was completing residency, I thought I would stay on the faculty at um, OHSU, discovered a love for teaching among mm. other things in, in that process, but really wanted the chance to go out and develop my clinical skills, which is very hard as a young faculty member on an academic campus. And so the opportunity came up to go to a small town called John Day, Oregon, which is in far eastern Oregon, kind of out by Idaho. It's a town of about a little over a thousand people in a county the size of Connecticut with one hospital and one stoplight and <laughs> in right. the entire that county. Really it's, broad. It's, it's, it's frontier. So it's less than six people per square mile, many, many more cattle than people. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a remnant of that left mostly out west. And so um, because of a program called the AHEC or Area Health Education Centers, they were, the university was looking to help address rural health issues by sending students out to have experience gotcha. in rural communities. So I was able to go to John Day, join my partner who was a family doctor. We had one family doctor and a general surgeon and myself. That was the hospital? That was the whole medical staff at the time when I got at there. At the hospital? At the hospital. So a we covered the- and two family docs. surgeon and two family docs. We covered the emergency department. We covered all the deliveries. We did the C-sections. Wow. We did. We, right. we did. The, ran the nursing homes. We, you know, the whole thing. So, so would you say you developed your clinical skills I there? I did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not to be arrogant, but after about three years of that, it's like, bring it, you know, yeah, whatever yeah. you're going to throw at me, uh, I have probably seen something similar and um you know we had airlift capacity both fixed wing and helicopter to bend or boise which mm -hmm. three hour drive either way mm -hmm. portland's five hours away by car so we had a lot of uh clinical decision making to do and right. make decisions mm -hmm. about expensive air transportation in mm -hmm. dangerous conditions mm -hmm. and all kinds of things so i would safely say uh, i was there seven years um i in almost every way loved that practice. Um, it is, it, I could go on forever about that, but I'm not going to, but suffice it to say, you know what your role in life is when you do that. You mm. get up in the morning and every day know you have a purpose <laughs> because if I'm not gonna get up and go see these patients, they're not gonna get seen. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, it was incredibly gratifying, but very challenging in lots of ways, very challenging for my family. And we had several, confluent family situations come up um, in my immediate family and extended family that just required that we move back toward Portland and gotcha. be closer to sure. what was going on there sure. and, and some resources. So um, so we did that. So I was there seven years. Um, I was on adjunct faculty, had residents and students almost continuously. I mean, there was hardly a week when I didn't have one or both of those in my practice. Um, and then we um, moved back to Portland and I went back on the faculty full-time at OHSU. Um, I am not ashamed to say I got very depressed for a couple of years there. I couldn't figure out my role. I, you know, that 
I, I often talk about my Venn diagram, you know, your oh, Venn right, diagram right. in a small town, everything is scrunched together. Everything touches everything right. else in some way. And I went to Portland and it took me a while to figure out that my Venn diagram blew up you know, and nothing was touching anymore. And so I had to spend a couple of years kind of reconstructing my, my Venn diagram of, of how my life connected with one thing and another. So that took me a while, did that successfully with some counseling and a lot of wise, Fantastic. a lot awesome. of wise, uh, you know, counsel from other faculty and other, other people important to me. And um, was able at that point to really recognize that my niche was rural health. I had a special love for and probably gift for understanding that and how to help a large university in an urban place understand those issues. The rural health translation in an like a yes. metropolitan mm -hmm. health center, academic center. Translation is a perfect word for it. Yes. Okay. I was yeah, I had to make them understand or help them understand who these people were. <laughs> exactly. And what the yeah. whole it's just it's a very different thing. And so I was fortunately able to um, garner resources through the AHEC and other resources at OHSU and grants and other things, formed the first, the Rural Scholars Program, which was a program that admitted 10 students a year to uh, who were interested in rural health and they spent much more of their experience out of Portland than the typical students did. Um, these were students or residents? These were medical students. These were medical students. Medical students okay. interested in rural health. Um, and then um, also ran all of the other existing rural programs pretty much, and then started a rural local tenants program was sort of the other big thing was um, because one of the fun things when you're, when you're two family docs and a general surgeon. You don't go on vacation for very long because when you come back, your partners are blithering idiots. You know, they yeah. just cannot even like, you know, just yeah. if, I, if I, if you leave for a long weekend, it's fine. You leave for yeah. a couple of weeks, everybody, when you come back is just a mess. Yeah. And so um, the locum tenens program was intended for that purpose to give the opportunity for me as a faculty member to go back and cover for the weekend kind of or like for respite, yes, of, for, sure. for a period of time, um, knowing I had the skill set that was needed. That's one of the big problems is right. a lot of people don't have the skill set to walk into that setting. They can't cover the ER, they can't deliver babies, they don't know how to do, you know, how yeah. to make the, the EMS system work, you know, all sure, of those kind sure. of things. So anyway, that was part of the whole thing is, is finding finding ways to support the people who were teaching our students out there. We had students and residents in all these small communities, uh, many of which were similar to the one I came from, not very many resources in terms of personnel and that kind of thing. So um, that's what I did there. And I did have a clinical practice in Portland for the first half of my 15 years there, and then started the locum tenens program. And I basically did that for my clinical work. I went and covered five different hospitals and health systems out in the rural areas near where I had lived, where, near where I lived before. Um, for my clinical work as basically respite as, as locums. But I, so. I'm curious, you got yeah. me curious about the uh, rural environment you were working in where it was a very small team mm -hmm. to then moving back to a mm -hmm. very large team. <laughs> and uh, you know, this will perhaps help our audience when we get to thinking about how those, those experiences have all helped you with your current situation. Mm -hmm. But I'm just curious in the moment, what was that like? How did, was that a, a tough adjustment to go from kind of the person who did it all or the little team and, and then all of a sudden to this bigger team where you have 
more help? Mm -hmm. it, it very much is that Venn diagram thing. It's like I did, there was not a person in town literally that I did not know. Gotcha. And if, if, you know, what was possible was possible. You know, right. there were a lot of things we just couldn't do gotcha. without resources or without whatever. Um, but when you go to a large place, yeah. that was, again, that part of my Venn diagram blowing apart was the inability to figure things out, you know, quickly. And right. it, was, so it was challenging. Gotcha, gotcha. So it's all a sense of, okay, I, I can delegate a little bit here. I don't have to take that on. Mm -hmm. Is that what I'm kind of hearing? Uh, you say? Certainly, that's part of yeah, it. Um, yeah. I mean, not that I didn't delegate to sure, in some ways sure. in my small town yeah, too, yeah. but yeah, just a lot of it was just trying to figure it out was gotcha. a lot harder. It's yeah. a big system. Who do you even talk to to address a problem? Right. Well, right. in a small place, you kind of know who that is, and you can right. walk in their office and pound your fist on their desk, and they may or may not do what you want gotcha. them to do, yeah. but you know who it is. Right. 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 Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, in in you know OHSU had more employees by a significant amount than the entire residents of my county gotcha you know they gotcha. lived the whole wow. county this was only seven thousand people the building had yeah. more people in it than my whole it, county one thing about ohsu is there's that um like that tram the tram, the tram, tram that goes up that yeah. goes from the parking lot mm -hmm. up the hill to the campus mm -hmm. so it's sort of like a it's it's it's, it's, it's a like, city in the clouds it's like yeah. a city in the clouds yeah they they built up the whole waterfront now so it's giant i mean there were there were probably something on i'm going to guess on the order of 14,000 employees when i was there wow. um and that's literally twice the number of people as in my entire county the size of connecticut so, wow. so yeah. you, you, <laughs> you mentioned in, in all of that that there was like there was something that you knew you wanted to be involved in that medical education. Mm -hmm. what, what was that something? I believe in serendipity. Okay. You know, I I, um, I literally walked into a the wrong meeting. So we had all of our <laughs> we have all of our committee meetings when I was a resident. Okay. They were happening on the same day, just in different rooms on on the in the family practice clinic and. Right. Um, I walked into what I thought was the patient education committee meeting, and it turned out it was the student education committee, because uh -huh. I was probably post-call and just couldn't read it, and um, got sat down and was too lazy or tired to get up and leave when I figured I was in the wrong room. Maybe they had better snacks. Yeah, they, well, they had, they had better ideas. And so, um, so one of the things that happened in that meeting, I mean, this is sort of an aha moment, I, um, we had a... Uh, uh, grant that had gone unused because we couldn't get the word out to students. So keep in mind, this is 1988, right? So it, there's no internet to speak of. Right. We don't have emails yeah. yet, yeah. you know, all those things. And so there was no way to get the word out and this grant didn't get used. Right. And so we were talking, they were talking about how to get the students. I said, well, why don't we just make a student newsletter and then we'll be able to, you know, we just go mm. stick it in, in their mailboxes, which sure. we used to have in those days. Yeah. And they're like, great, you do that. That'll be <laughs> awesome. You know? So I thought, all right, fine. And so I started putting together a student newsletter and that then led to getting involved in student teaching and the student interest groups and all that kind of things. And, and, and so again, and then my, my, boss at the time, my residency director said, you know, you really have a gift for education. You should think about this for your career. And that started off a, a, a thinking process that had okay. not been there before. Right. So. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Like, it seems like you were displaying like your, your elements of your personality and your gifts, really, your connection to humanity, your interest in rural medicine, and education and like that was seen by 
co- like mentors who, mm-hmm. who, who saw that in you and encouraged you into, uh, uh, like nudged you. Yeah. I am a huge believer in the power of mentoring mm-hmm. because I've been a recipient of that. Yeah. Right. I didn't grow up in a family with lots of education or other advantages, if you will. And it, um, without people pointing things out to you, mm-hmm. I mean, just opening the door, that little crack and yeah. saying, you can walk through here if you want to. The possibility. Yeah. 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 It, it was really, really valuable to me. And I'm, I am, incredibly grateful for the mentoring that I've had because of that. So that's, so that's, so this first part of your story that I noted myself saying it's birds to bedside. So tell us this, this chapter that you're writing now for yourself. How did you begin this chapter? How did you get to Wausau? Mm-hmm. So again, when you do what I have done through my academic career, at least, which is, care about rural stuff, there's only a small handful of us out there. Um, Mostly we connect through something called the Rural Medical Educators Group, which is a subgroup of the National Rural Health Association, actually, um, that we formed. Dr. Hunsaker in Green Bay was one of the founders of it as well. Um, There's just a number of us who care about this, but there was no place to Mm. land, you know, or to, to connect. So we started the Rural Medical Educators Group as a group of maybe 10 of us that started meeting regularly and it's now grown to be several hundred people but it's still a small group so this was when you were in portland this is when i was in portland you're still in portland Mm -hmm. doing your respite care i am doing all of those things education really with an intention that that's what i would do for my career you know i was very happy i was the director of the area health education centers program and got to do all kinds of interesting things nationally with that and but i was really going to stay there yeah um and then Oh, but you know, life is funny. Um, yeah. The first time this job came around, they send it out to that group, you know, right. because it's a small group of people who care about rural. Now, this campus, I will have to say, was and, and Green Bay were not developed to be quote rural training sites. I mean, we are mm. not really. That was not how we were developed. We are a product of John Raymond saying we need to be more than the medical college of Milwaukee, <laughs> you know, gotcha. sure, and, sure. and looking around and saying right. where are there resources and and the things that we can do. So I'm very, very grateful for John's leadership at even thinking of this concept, um, because this is not something a private school typically would take on. Sure, That is just not usual. It does. It speaks volumes for MCW and and the reasons why I'm here. So um, they sent the the job description around at, to this, to through this group of rural medical educators. um, And I looked at it and thought, wow, that sounds really interesting. But again, due to family circumstances at that moment, mm-hmm. was not really willing or able to consider a change. Mm-hmm. Just was not on my radar. And um, fortunately for me, they did not find somebody for this campus. They did a search, found mm-hmm. Dr. Hensaker for the Green Bay campus, but didn't find somebody they thought fit this campus well. Um, so a year and a half later, kind of sent it around again and said, we've we restructured things a little bit. At that time, the situations that were going on in my family had resolved and I showed it to my husband. I said, what do you think about this? And he he read it and said, did they know you when they wrote this? Because this sounds exactly like you. <laughs> 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 
Wow. Really. So I said, okay, so I threw my hat in the ring and one thing led to another and here I am. So it really was, um, I, I, the other thing I would say for anybody listening, about trying to figure out their career pathway is do interesting things. Right. You know, don't, I, I, I never set out to be a dean of a campus that would, or a, of any sort, you know, going to be an ornithologist. I was going to be an ornithologist <laughs> and then I was going to be a rural educator for the rest of my life. And, and, um, you know, I did a bunch of interesting things because they popped up. I was on the board of medical examiners in Oregon, which was one of the more fascinating things I've ever done. I was on the health services commission in Oregon, which sets the, the priorities for the Oregon health plan, which is right. their prioritized health mm-hmm. plan. So I learned a lot about managed care and other things through all of these interesting experiences, none of which were on the list of things you ought to do to be a dean if I right, had been going right. down that sure, pathway. Sure. But again, serendipitously, they brought a skill set together that was quite unique and really, really valuable. And so um, I don't, I'm not knowing this kind of job would ever come up. I unwittingly <laughs> kind of acquired a bunch of skills that have helped me understand fantastic. how to do this. Yeah. So anyway, the job went around. I applied. Um, I remember interviewing my first Set of, you go through a whole bunch of interviews right. um, in Milwaukee and people asking me several different times, would you really want to live in such a rural place as Wausau? And <laughs> having lived in a town that does not sell shoes or underwear, it is, <laughs> it, you know, it, that, that's, yeah. a, that's a rural place. Right, this right. to me is not a rural place. Right, right, right. It's close to rural right. things. And so the opportunity to train students for the skill set that you need can exist anywhere. Yeah. It just doesn't happen in urban settings very explicitly. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what happens to students, this is why I formed the Rural Scholars Program in Oregon, was students who come in with that bent um, get trampled, you know, and diverted because it's it's very much like students from other underrepresented medicine mm-hmm. backgrounds. You don't see people like you. I mean, our yeah, student, yeah. My students were mostly right. white and, right. you know, right. but but they come from disadvantaged backgrounds with lower economic attainment, lower educational attainment, and they look around and, and they're the only one that they know of. And when you group them together, magical things happen. You mm-hmm. know, when you have a cohort of people who you can walk into the room every week when we would meet and, and say, listen to this. And everybody immediately gets it, right? right they understand right. where you're coming from. And that is not typical of their peers. Gotcha. You know, so, gotcha. so in the medical school. In the medical school. So um in health affairs, maybe two, three years ago, three, I think it was 2019, um, Scott Shipman and others published, we are now admitting the smallest percentage of students from rural zip codes to medical school at any point since anybody's kept records. Fewer students from rural backgrounds are going to medical school now than ever before. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's an area that we have focused on here as one of our diversities, you know, mm-hmm. because those students come with a different set of issues than a student who comes from an urban background or from a two-career family of mm-hmm. uh, parents right, sure. uh, from high in, higher income, you know, right, all right. different kinds of things. So um, I think it's one of the ways we're addressing diversity is by admitting a very underrepresented cohort of students here. But that's, an, that's an interesting point, because as I was thinking about today and, and wanting to ask you why, you know, was the regional campus important or, or needed for the Wausau reason, it sounds not just for the region itself, but for the profession itself in terms of accessing Absolutely. individuals who have the ability and the capability 
just need the opportunity. Yep. So that would be so. So any other aspects of you know why why create this campus in in this region? So I think there's advantages outside of just ruralness, if you will. Sure. I mean, I think there's um, there's a different environment. Those of us who've been through it understand the the environment in which you train in an urban setting mm. is just inherently going to be different than here. It has to do with size. So certainly having a class of 20 or 25 instead of a class of 250 is an issue. Um, but it's really much more about letting the blossoming happen rather mm. than, than having things squelched. Right. Um, the trampling. The trampling. Mm. It absolutely. It, we literally beat it out of people. Wow. Um, and I don't use that term lightly. I sure, think it is sure. it is almost an act of violence at yeah, times. Yeah. The conformity that students have to feel. And it happens here on our campus as sure, well. I mean, sure, it's sure. not like we're immune well, from that. Really, but yeah. we have a different set of ways that we can address it with a small class than you can at a class in Milwaukee. So I think you hear that from students that are in any way different. So um, students who are, quote, non-traditional, yeah. older, have families, you know, start medical school and from a different pathway. Rural students often have this, um, certainly underrepresented in medicine, minority students have it. Um, you know, when I was in medical school, women had it. Yeah, I was sure. one of 20, when I went to medical school, it was 25% women. And that's yeah. not the dark ages. I mean, right. we're talking about stuff many of us can remember, you know, and um, I had uh, my first child when I was a third year medical student. That had not happened at my medical school in in anybody's memory, you know, wow. classes on either side of me. And so it was like nobody knew what to do with me. And I was kind of it was it was a very weird experience. And you're talking about childbirth. I mean, it's not like it's a rare <laughs> We all went through this, right? We were all born. And, and, and like you're in medical school, so we're you, in your third year. So yeah. we're like students experiencing labor and delivery yep. Yep. as students. Yep. And, and here you are experiencing it as, as, a, the, um, as the patient the as well. Patient. Yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, I think yeah. that, that again, we've got a lot of room. This is a, that's a long answer to your question, yeah. but I think we have the ability here and it's not that people in Milwaukee or, or Chicago or anywhere else don't care about these things. You just don't have the ability to impact them in the same way you do when we know our students. They come in, right. we know their names the day they arrive. Right. We know a lot about them. They learn a lot about us. Sure. And it's a very different environment. So I, um, I enjoy the compactness of my life here. I enjoy being able to, again, get my Venn diagram sort of scrunched back sure, together and sure. touch every piece of what I need to touch right, right. easily rather than with great difficulty. Um, and I think all of those things are what we offer that's different and why it's necessary in some way. Gotcha. gotcha. So would you say that, um, so the origin of this campus was that it be uh, an opportunity for MCW exposure and influence in the state. It wasn't set up as a rural campus, right? Would you say that, and and would you say that like rural is something we've grown into, or are we growing into it? Is that part of the the vision, or? Um, like, how are we doing in that respect? <laughs> it is part of my vision. Now, whether or not 
it, that will continue when I'm not here anymore? I don't know. I mean, I think that's a decision you make um, as an institution, part, partly from Milwaukee, but really I was given a tremendous amount of freedom to figure out how to make it work here. That's why we have a longitudinal clerkship mm -hmm. is because New Green Bay has a much more traditional block style gotcha. clerkship, sure. but they've got six hospitals within 30 minute drive sure. of campus. Sure, We've sure. got two sort of, yeah, yeah, right. and, and so, um, so I think that each regional campus started out with the same mission for addressing the workforce shortages in the non-urban parts of the state. Mm -hmm. um, but we've adapted that differently. I don't think Green Bay thinks of themselves as rural. They have a football team, you know? <laughs> yes, they do. Yeah. You might have and, heard about it. Yeah, you might have heard about them, yeah. But you know, I don't. I think the Green Bay community views themselves differently than the Wausau community, the Would medical you say community does. From that perspective, like if you're in Milwaukee and and thinking about Green Bay, would you think of Green Bay differently as Wausau? I think so. I think more people. If you if you ask, you know, stop everybody in the hallway yeah. at MCW and say which is the rural place, they would. Choose Wausau, clearly, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, I think Green Bay, by virtue of being closer, being larger, you know, it's part yeah. of a bigger community right. of not just the town size, but the entire region. Um, and they're sort of the door-to-door -door county, you yeah. know, everybody goes to Green Bay to get to Door County. And right. most people in Milwaukee have had an experience in Green Bay, yeah, traveling through it or to it. Sure. Um, whereas almost nobody has been to Wausau. They've been through it. <laughs> or might have been through it on their way up north. Yeah, yeah, so they, but, but they have less experience here with there and, with sort, and certainly like the cohort of people. I mean, uh -huh. I trained in at MCW in Milwaukee, and we would get at the VA, we would get busloads of the vets coming twice a week from the UP wow. to come to Milwaukee to be seen by the specialists mm -hmm. or for admission or procedures mm -hmm. or whatever. And it was always sort of a novelty mm -hmm. of like who, you know, yeah, who's who are these guys? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. So can you walk us through then the process a little bit about getting the campus going, like maybe things about connections to the community, how do you get those connections and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, and, and maybe get to the buy-in. Yeah, so I arrived here in August of 2014 with literally not even a garbage can. We had no place to sit. We had nothing. And it had been because of the circumstances of going through the search twice, it had been a pretty long time from the time that his campus was decided to be placed here and somebody actually showing up with a face that can gotcha. kind of talk about it. So one of the first experiences I had, so so my my in, rural instincts kick in, go meet everybody, right? Sure, sure, which of course, right? I joined the curling club, which actually turned out to be an incredibly serendipitous thing as well, because at the curling club is very social. You curl with a team of four and then your opponents, and you also are expected to sit down together at the end of the day wow. and end of the match and get to know each other. And so you're sitting next to a bank president on one side and a plumber's assistant on the other. And so you get to meet everybody from all walks of life. Mm -hmm. And it's very, very intentional, you know? Sure. And so I got to meet a whole bunch of people. I joined the Rotary Club. I set up appointments with pretty much anybody who would talk to me, the Chamber of Commerce, you know? Sure. And I think I, I obviously hit the medical community, but really worked hard at reaching out to the philanthropists, the business community, 
the sort of not usual suspects, because if this is going to succeed, it takes more than the hospital president mm -hmm. to approve it, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, on the hospital side, we had a situation when I got here, um, when I signed on, we were to have three health systems working with us. One was uh, Spirus, obviously. Um, ministry, which was a small health system in the region at the mm -hmm. time, which subsequently got bought out about a year later, a year and a half later by Ascension in a bit of a hostile takeover. And so that completely changed the landscape. And then um, there was Marshfield Clinic. Well, Marshfield Clinic pulled out entirely before mm -hmm. I got here and due to, I don't know, a bunch of different things. So we had a a much different landscape than I thought I was going to have and fewer resources than I thought I was going to have. So that set off a chain of a whole bunch of things. I knew Aspirus probably wasn't going to be able to handle the entire load. Ascension, <laughs> I'll tell you about some conversations I had with them, yeah, you know, right. but uh, I went once I, I was at, at, at on the phone with somebody, I believe in St. Louis, who was in charge of their education office, who was arguing with me that they didn't have any hospitals in Wisconsin. <laughs> I'm like, well, That's I'm, interesting. I'm standing in one right now. So, you know, yeah. So um, those kind of things, ha you know, happened. And it took, uh, I just literally started doing cold calls and, and meeting people. Many, many people knew there was a medical school coming and thought that was a great idea. Some thought it was a crazy idea. Um, Matt Haywood, who's the the um, president of Asp or CEO of Aspirus, uh, my first conversation with him, and he had come in the interval between when they decided to put the school here and when I got here, he literally kind of looked at, and I tease him about this now, I looked at me and said, why are you taking up space in my building? You know, it's like, because we put the first campus was in the inside the hospital. Sure. And, um, you know, through a series of conversations, we, I basically got to him finally by saying, I am the down payment on your future. You wow. know how hard it is to recruit here. I'm going to choose students who are likely to want to stay here, may come from here, may want to do the things you want them to do, and you need to help me do that. And he was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Great. I, I understand that concept. And he has become a great supporter of the campus, a uh, terrific supporter. And so, then just to be clear for everyone, it, it, this was you. You, were, me, you, yeah. you and you alone. Like, yes. You were the, the sole MCC over here, Central Wisconsin. Yep. First Our, for, my first wow. office was in what it used to be the psych unit in the basement of Aspirus. <laughs> and I would frequently get locked out because every door locks, you know, in, in the sure. psych unit. Um, my first hire was a campus administrator, Teresa Gooch, who was a brilliant hire on my part, if I may say so. I mean, she was just <laughs> the right person for the job. Um, I think Roy Long came next, he, and I right. stole him from Milwaukee. Gotcha. He was a, a assistant dean in Milwaukee, um, basic science researcher, um, but really had a bent for education and was ready for a change in his life. Right. And so I think he came next. Um, and just started, you know, we sent out a, a proposal for um, our, for Jake Pernesky's job, my assistant dean for clinical, um, lured him with, and which with the bonus of bringing his spouse, Amy, who's also brilliant, right. uh, to be one of our faculty and stole them from Duluth. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you just start doing that. And over the course of a couple of years, um, Anita came on as uh, a I needed faculty who understood the various health systems. Uh, Anita was recommended to me by uh, Bill Wessels, who was at that time the med chief medical officer, I think. And I said, I need somebody who understands the Aspira system, has some time to give, 
and can work with me on figuring this out. So we had Anita and Corey Norbaum mm-hmm. came to us that way, mm-hmm. um, Robert Tedelac, mm-hmm. others who, you know, basically I got little bits of people's time to start with to help me figure things out. And gotcha. that was crucial, just the understanding that Anita brought, for example, of the inner workings of a virus right. was really, really valuable. Um, Sounds like that blossom when you were talking mm-hmm. about what like, you see, like to mm-hmm. see in, in the students or the emerging mm-hmm. physicians and what's yeah. happening, what's happening. Yeah, it's I, been here since the yeah. beginning. Yeah. My philosophy, other than the Jake and Roy, who yeah. both came with academic backgrounds, um, almost nobody that came here had any kind of academic background. And so I, it is not hard to teach people to do academic work. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. pretty easy. Having the heart for it is a different right. thing. Having the heart for a community. And w- one of the things I said when I first got here that I think is still true today and I think has come through to everybody who works here is we are going to be the most community engaged campus in the country. <laughs> that's yeah, well, that's, yeah, a, that's, that's, that's a goal. One of the other thoughts I had Thinking about today too, I was going to ask, how does you know like the story you described, your first chapter, influence your approach to developing the campus? But I can hear you describing that right now. Yeah, so absolutely, and and that was sort of sort of yeah. And now. again, just hiring Anita, um, you, I can't teach people to love their community. Yeah. I can't teach them to be a valuable resource and and the connector. Um, I can teach her how to write papers and you know, give lectures if she doesn't know how to do that. But, but the other part was really crucial. And I think one of the, one of the easy things or the best things about being the first dean of the campus is I got to hire everybody with a specific mission, you know, and nobody worked Mm. here that I came in and said, well, we're going to change what we're doing here. You know, Um, everybody came in and if they did not buy into the mission, they didn't come to work here. And so um, especially in the early days, um, that that cohesiveness of mission was crucial and and super advantageous to be able to to approach it that way. So that gets to my next question, which is, you know, what would be your advice or, you know, for those considering the opportunity of a rural campus, either as a potential student or as a faculty or as a physician who might want to work in such, I mean, there's a lot of different points. Yeah. Perhaps start with just, because like, it sounded like you're saying that was a crucial thing that you described and mm-hmm. would that be? The, the word that, the single word is fit. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the, there is no other word. If you are starting something like this, um, you need everybody to be on board with what you do. Um, I would say the faculty and staff we had 100%. Nobody came to work here who didn't say, sure. yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, you know, that is a lot of different things, but it's not the same number of things as in Milwaukee. They've got a research mission. They've got a community outreach mission. Sure. They've got a clinical mission. They've got an education mission. And many people are siloed in one of those areas. Everybody here fits all of those in some way. And so, um, and we're small enough that everybody has to wear a lot of hats and do it's a lot of things. Like the cross training model. Uh-huh. Yeah. This is if mm-hmm. person A can't be at work today, mm-hmm. well, person B knows what needs to be done. And yeah, and it's frustrating at yeah. times. I mean, you know, many of our faculty are part time sure. and do other things. They're there. We have as little as 0.1 and as much as 0.6 in part time, but. Nobody in education, I think, at any level works their normal, an FTE that's 
like what you think it is. Like a yeah. 1.0 FTE <laughs> in education is not 40 hours a week and at yeah, kindergarten right. or at right. medical school. Yeah, exactly. So I, you know, people just buy into that and 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 deal with it. And um, but we have been able also to give flexibility. So Fantastic. many of our faculty also do other roles in the community or they have family obligations or they have other things where a part-time in quotes, which is still more than 20 hours a week, but um, it gives them some flexibility that they need, which we can also handle here a lot more easily than, than in the larger, Perfect. more siloed place. What are you most proud of? Hmm. What am I most That's proud of? That's always those tough questions. Like asking like, what's it your is. favorite song? Yeah, right? what's your favorite kid, right? <laughs> um, you know, I, the, the first answer is always the students. You know, we this year we have for the first, we graduated four classes and our first graduates are coming back and practicing here, which is oh, sort of so the, cool. The, the, it is. That's the outcome we've been waiting for. And I've been here eight years and you finally get that moment when you know your first graduates have signed contracts to come back and take care of our community. Um, so that certainly is. As the dean, I hire really good people to take care of the students. And so my role in that is actually less than a lot of people would think. Mm -hmm. um, I certainly engage with the students, I love them. But really it's you guys, it's my faculty that have to be sustained. The students are gonna come and go no matter what I do, right? They're here for three or four years and they're on to something else. And what they think about us afterwards is important to me, but mostly it's important that we give them the skills that they need. My faculty and staff, on the other hand, I want to have long, meaningful, sustainable careers. And so um, as the beginning, I'm obviously focused on curriculum and students and all that yeah, thing, but my job increasingly, in my opinion, has become the, the nurturing of everything else that will sustain the campus for many, many years after I am long gone. Sure, sure. And now that's not the students. They, they, like I said, they come and go no matter what we do. Um, and they're very, very important to what we do, but not as important as some of the other things now, the community relationships, the faculty and, gotcha. and staff and other things. And that's such a, I think, a, a great way to just come full circle because starting out in your, well, I mean, New York, but then <laughs> in a, a rural area in Oregon and having that love for all that that kind of region can and community can offer you as an individual, um, people who are from rural areas kind of get it. We don't just visit it, but we live it, you know? Mm -hmm. right. And um, to be able to nurture somebody in that environment, we're just growing, we're growing um, uh, respect and appreciation for the community and the offerings of this campus. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a pretty amazing legacy. I hope so. <laughs> it's been an amazing opportunity, I would mm -hmm. say. I just never would have thought that I that my pathway would never have brought me to yeah. this, you know, but I'm grateful that it did mm -hmm. um, and hopefully created something that is valuable and sustainable. Mm -hmm. I mean, the future gets to decide that. I don't get to decide that, yeah, but yeah. Um, I think we have. Um, and not me. I mean, it's I don't ever get the idea that I did this. Right, you know, sure, I sure. set yep. things in motion. Yep. I was fortunate to hire awesome people. 
Um, you know, and that was one of the concerns that everybody in Milwaukee had was like, how are you going to find faculty? It's like, I don't need faculty with, with practice, with, uh, you know, educational backgrounds. I need faculty who are passionate and want to come in every day and try to fix things and make our students' education better and prepare them better to do the really difficult job of caring for a community for 40 years. Mm -hmm. Well, that's just a fantastic story, and it's continuing. It's and, continuing. And, you know, keep on <laughs> At least continuing. for a little while. So we want to thank you so much for being with us today. It was just fantastic being with you. Thank I you. That. I really so, appreciate the opportunity. We should go watch some birds sometime. We should. We have many, many birds. <laughs> awesome. That. Well, and there's plenty of opportunities in rural settings. There that. are. That's the, yes. <laughs> My boss once told me that you're going to have an easier time being a doctor who likes to watch birds than the other way around. <laughs> so. so perhaps we can have another chapter of the story at some point. We can do that. Okay. Thanks Thank for so coming. Much. Thank All you. Right.